you an event planner or organizer looking for a keynote speaker with a fresh new perspective that packs a serious punch? Someone who captivates your audience and inspires them to create lasting changes in their lives. Someone who has a compelling story to share that will leave your audience believing in themselves like they've never done before. I'm Rebecca Hamilton, founder and CEO of Chick Boss Cake, author of The Million Dollar Bakery, host of this podcast, Scrap the Sweet Talk, and I am your girl. To book me as a speaker for your next event, go to RebeccaHamiltonCo.com. Hey, I'm Rebecca Hamilton, founder and CEO of Chick Boss Cake. Thanks for joining me on my Scrap the Sweet Talk podcast, where I'll be sharing all my best life and business tips and tricks on how I've created the life of my dreams and how you can too. I'm a no-nonsense, full disclosure, sweet talk scrapping woman entrepreneur who believes in taking charge of your life and ridding yourself of all the excuses that are holding you back. This is a really exciting time for my podcast, Scrap the Sweet Talk, because it is my first podcast series and really the first time I've opened up my podcast to have guests on my show. I was inspired by International Women's Day and I felt like I was called to do this series from God or the universe. I just felt like he brought these amazing women into my life and gave me a platform to allow me the opportunity to share their stories with women all over the world. I'm blessed to be surrounded by these incredible women and it would be extremely selfish if I kept them and their stories all to myself. So I'm really excited to share them with you guys. They are filled with life lessons and valuable tips and advice on how to overcome the toughest challenges that life has thrown our way. You guys, like you guys though, you guys are in for a serious treat with this series. So be sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new episode launches. And please leave me a review on my podcast to show your love and support. I would be so grateful. On this episode of Scrap the Sweet Talk podcast, we're going to be talking to Jamie Sparling from Bryco Interiors. And I'm really, really excited to have her on the podcast. Actually, just to have guests on the podcast in general is amazing because we haven't 
done this before and I'm really excited about this. So uh, Jamie is somebody that I'm really grateful to know her personally. And I can honestly say she is one of the most beautiful and talented people I have the pleasure of knowing. And she runs an amazing business with her husband. She hired her husband, which is what I like to say. (laughs) Um, And so they run Bryco Interiors together. And so welcome to Scrap the Sweet Talk, Jamie. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm so happy to be here. So excited to have you. This is awesome. So the point of this podcast is to share a challenge that you have overcome in your life. And knowing you personally, I know that you've overcome so many challenges. So that's why I'm really excited to have you um, be open and vulnerable, which is what you do best. I really admire that about you. So can you tell me about a time in your life where you faced a significant challenge? Okay. So I think it would make the most sense to go back to when I was 16, because I would say that was the most challenging and pivotal moment of my life. Um, So back when I was 16, I was in grade 12 in high school. I was in an abusive relationship at that point for about three years, dating a drug dealer, which is kind of crazy. And I found myself pregnant. And I was 20 credits behind at the time and realized that I needed to make a change. I didn't want to keep heading in the direction that I was. So I decided to pick up a book and learn about how to have a healthy pregnancy and what to expect and what to eat and what to do, all these things. So I realized now that that's when the whole self-taught and obsession with knowledge came from. Um, But at that point, I decided to start trying in school. Um, I literally went to day school, night school, summer school, worked on the weekend. And I had my son at 16, moved out at the same time. My average that year was 95.3 when I actually started trying. Wow. That's um, amazing. And yeah. <laughs> so I ended up with an academic scholarship, which helped for college. Um, and then I have been on this continuous path of trying to do everything possible to succeed in life. And that eventually led to burnout. But that was the biggest challenge of what do I do at this time? Do I want to continue being in the situation or do I want to make a change? So I did. And my son's father ended up committing suicide right before my son's first birthday. So as heartbreaking as that was, obviously, it gave me a sense of freedom and it gave me a chance at life and another chance to help him, my son, succeed and not live in that abusive household. Um, so, yeah. That is just, it's crazy to me to hear that just from like, I don't know, the way that you talk about it, you just have a beautiful way of speaking. And I think that it's just mind blowing to me that knowing where you're at now, you went through such a like a dark time in your life and you were able to come out the other side of it, which that's, those are the best stories. Those are the best lessons for people. Cause, cause when people look at you now, they just see, Oh, like you, you started your business, you're successful, you're beautiful. Like they just see that end result, but they don't see all of the struggle and all of the hardship that you've, you know, overcome in your past in order to get there. So that's why, you know, sharing your story and kind of bringing you back to that time can you share like how you were feeling at your darkest moments? Like what, what did that feel like? If you think to bring yourself back to that moment when you were 16, you found out you were pregnant and you know, you weren't in a great relationship. At that time, I was also a complete robot. I was 
completely brainwashed. I wasn't allowed to have any thoughts or feelings. And so I really just put on a happy face when I needed to. I guess to answer your question, to talk about my darkest time, I would fast forward several years and talk about my darkest time when I went through PTSD, um, when I was a paramedic, because that was truly the worst time of my entire life. So at that time, I was nine years into working as a paramedic full time. Um, I did a call on the 401 where a mom and a young daughter were killed head on. And the only survivor of that vehicle um, was a little boy who was critically injured as well. And he was the same age as my youngest son at the time. So that was my life changed in the flash of a moment. Literally, I'm not going to go into details because it's just a disaster. But um, crying with my partner at the side of the 401 was life changing. And from that point on, I viewed the world differently. I was angry. I was miserable. I was pissed off. And I thought the world was a terrible place to live in. Um, I couldn't imagine there being a God or any sort of spiritual being for that sort of stuff to happen. So it really flipped everything I knew upside down, even though I had seen a ton of stuff at that point in my career. Um, but it was awful. So in the blink of a moment, I changed. That day broke me. I went home in robot mode because I was very good at that mode because of that abusive relationship and tucking in my feelings and just pushing through. So that's what my intention was to push through. I couldn't even hug my kids. I felt guilty for having children that were alive. It was um, very difficult and it made me feel like a terrible mother. Um, I remember I was just so snappy at the time and so irritable and all the things that PTSD is. If you read the list of signs and symptoms, I probably had all of them. Um, I remember my husband saying to me once when I had completely snapped on him, probably over nothing, um, when he said, wow, that's my new wife or there's my new wife. And I was like, wow, so I'm never going to be that same kind hearted person I was before. Now I'm just this broken version of myself. And that was the hardest thing. Um, I felt like a burden and isolated and I felt lonely. Nobody had gone through the experience that I did, even though my partner was on scene with me. Eventually I was the first person there. Um, it was overwhelming. It was, I didn't have any of the details ahead of time. So thinking that anybody was even dead on scene was just not even in my my headspace. So um, at that time, I understood in that moment why people commit suicide. And that was the hardest thing for me because of being a single mom for so many years to a son whose dad did commit suicide. I couldn't understand it. And I thought he was a complete asshole um, for doing that. So I was swearing. Oh, you can swear. So, this is scrap the sweet talk. We are all good with swearing here. Yeah, okay. I like. Okay, I, I just hearing you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's why I love you. Um, and yeah, so so your story. You've been through like significant trauma in your life. So just to back up, um, so you went to school to become a paramedic, and so that was your career for how many years? For 11 years. For 11 years. And obviously you experienced a lot of shit that no normal person usually sees or witnesses or has to respond to. So that in itself is challenging, let alone experiencing a call like that, that just really rips your heart out. You know, you have your own family, your own kids, and that's the pivotal call that changed your uh, career choice, right? Is that when you decided to start stop being a paramedic and pursue interior design? Um, so interior design has always been my creative 
the hobby. I think it's the thing that has kept me going through all the things in my life. I have loved it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do it from high school on, um, but someone said to me, it's all about who you know. And I was super shy at the time. So I was like, okay, not doing that. Um, <laughs> so anyways, but back to um, at that time, all I, I literally was in survival mode. I couldn't even think of beyond that day to get up off the floor from crying and just shower or just hug my kids or try to make them a meal was all I could think about. So it was going through that. And then I went to see a social worker for therapy. She had worked with kids and people that went through 9-11. She used to live in New York. So she had dealt with a lot of trauma. So she helped me. We did art therapy because I literally became so broken that I couldn't even cry. So we got to the point of just doing art therapy and just getting me to cry. Um, So then once that opened me up, I eventually went back to work. I was only off for a month. I went back to work, still completely messed up, but able to do my job. So I recovered from that bout of PTSD or whatever, found a way to cope. And then it was um, basically a four month span in the beginning of 2019, where it was like shit after shit, after shit, after shit. It was like the loss of a pregnancy. I had a student at the time and we just did the craziest calls, things that you can't even fathom. So it was just like nonstop. Stop and I was already in survival mode. So you just keep piling that stuff on top. So I basically said, I need a break. I'm going on vacation with my family. We didn't have money at the time to do that. I was like, I don't give a shit because I'm at my breaking point again. I know what rock yeah. bottom looks like. Uh-huh. So we went to Florida. And right before that, I was shopping at HomeSense and I randomly picked up this book by Rachel Hall off the shelf. I hadn't read a single personal development book in my entire life. I took that on vacation. I felt guilty to force myself to do any sort of self-care and like sit by the pool and have that in my face. So I was like battling mom guilt and wife <laughs> guilt and whatever. I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do it. So I read that book and it was the first time in my life I had ever started to dream or have hope or to look at a house that I admired and be like, I want that someday. And to realize that I was worthy of having what other people have. Um, and, and so was that book, like girl, wash your Facebook, girl, wash your face. Yeah. Yeah. And then I read girl, stop apologizing afterwards. And then I've read a hundred books since then. So yeah, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah. It's so cool that, you know, a book can have that much of an impact on somebody's life to just like change it. And so after you came back from vacation, is that when you decided to start your interior design? So I came back from vacation. I That's when I started to really deep dive into learning about design and how to start a business. So that's when I was like, how do you even listen to podcasts? How do you download the app? Like I literally knew nothing. <laughs> so I went into listening to podcasts while I was working on my shifts. I sat at the computer nonstop learning about business when we weren't doing calls. So I just tried to make the most of my time there. I remember sitting, working a night shift. I even took a picture of myself sitting in the garage and I was so completely exhausted. And I'm like, I never want to work another night shift for the rest of my life. And I literally decided in that moment, and I still did not, even though I continued to work. um, I dropped down to part-time thinking I could start my business while also trying to maintain working as paramedic. I wanted the paycheck. And I honestly, honestly love that job so much. And I love my coworkers. So I tried to do that, but shitty calls just kept coming. And I felt like going to work was risking my mental health and how far I had come each time. So I'm like, I I need to make a change. And I always do a gut check. Whatever my gut says I need to do, I 
have to listen to it. And yeah, there's always that right. And I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, to be honest, I can't think of many jobs that would be more traumatic than, you know, a paramedic, like aside from being maybe an ER doctor or something like that. But being a paramedic, you're never going to something that's good. You know what I mean? Like it's always like something that is not good. And that's why you're there. So I literally can't even imagine doing that job and, you know, also maintaining mental health like what would you say to paramedics like how did you overcome those challenges was it through therapy specifically that you were able to overcome it through your through reading self-development like how did you actually overcome those challenges I would say I didn't do it alone that's certainly not the case I don't think when you're that broken you can you need to set your ego aside and realize you need professional help. So yeah. I listened to my coworkers who um, had experienced circumstances that were PTSD related. They're never going to be the same as what I did. So that's fine. Um, and they're like, no, you need to go see the psychologist, please. You just need to call them. You need to call them. And I'm a very stubborn person. So I need to hear it about five times. And then like, no, seriously, here's the phone number. I will set up the appointment <laughs> for you. If you don't do it. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did. I went through the motions. I listened when, even though I was like, what are they going to possibly do for me? And this one psychologist, um, Dr. Tanira Biederman, um, I will just give her a shout out. She literally changed my life. She has given me the tools um, that I still use today. Even when I feel my greatest, if I hear sirens, I think help is on the way. And then I have to let thoughts go. Otherwise I go into, oh, what are they going to? And then my mind yeah. just goes crazy and downward spirals. So I have these little tips and tricks and I just, I, I live by that. So That's amazing. And are the tools like specific to you or are they generic tools that could work for anybody? I would say that they're specific to me, but I think for anyone, even if you're not in uh, a first responder or any sort of role like that, understanding what your triggers are and quickly having that reactive response that is in a positive way, instead of always being in a reaction mode and you go into a downward spiral and then you have the shittiest day because of one teeny tiny little thing because the triggers are not going to go away ever sirens happen all the time like and a million other things that i'm triggered by but there needs to be that quick switch where you're like nope this is what i'm thinking instead and then you move on with your day and stay focused on whatever it was you're doing so yeah that's such a great point i remember reading a book i can't remember which one it was um but also rachel hollis talks about it too which i love rachel hollis obviously too and she talks about if you're trying to develop a new habit or a new like way of life it's to like if you can't identify the trigger then you're constantly going to continue being triggered and you're not able to actually solve the the problem and change your mindset in that situation so um, I think that that is like such great advice to anybody listening to this episode is to it doesn't like you said you don't have to be a first responder um, but any kind of habit or challenge that you get triggered by it's always about identifying it. And then, like you said, um, determining like, like, is it like a solution or just changing your mindset to think of it in a different way? It's all mindset. So I will, another example, all the calls that were extremely triggering and traumatizing to me happened to be car accidents, which it's not truly an accident. It's called a motor vehicle collision. Like, no, it's not an actual accident. It's preventable. So, um, for me, Anyone who does any texting and driving, 
is my trigger. Mm-hmm. And I used to get so angry, especially yeah. at the time when I was completely broken. I was like, that is the most selfish thing. And I will still, I'll preach this right now. If you text and drive, stop fucking doing that. Yeah. Seriously. There is absolutely nothing that could possibly pop up on your phone that is more important than focusing on the road because of all the people that are around you. Keep yourself safe. Keep everybody else safe. Like honestly, nothing. Even if it was an emergency that popped through your phone, how are you going to react to that? You're not going to drive safely. So literally mm-hmm. get rid of your freaking phone. Um, so something that I went through with therapy, I told my therapist how completely frustrating that is to me and how I get so upset. Even paramedics I worked with would text and drive. I'm like, I don't care how well you can multitask. That's it's crazy. Not yeah. Yeah. It is crazy, but it's true. Yeah. Um, so what I did, she's like, well, if you have the chance to actually speak to that person, then say something. Otherwise you need to let that shit go. If you are not in control of that, you need to let it go. So I can't control everybody who's texting and driving. Um, but the paramedic who I'm working with, who has their phone in their face and they're driving, I can say to them, Oh, would you like me to drive so you can focus on your phone? Mm-hmm. I, I you know what? There, that's right? amazing. So, yeah, that's amazing. And I actually do that if I know if I'm in the car with somebody too, because I think it's the Enneagram type one that's like, follow yeah. <laughs> the fucking rules. Okay. And it drives me nuts. I cannot be in the car with somebody that's doing that too. Even if they're like, they glance at it. It's like, can you not just like put your phone on silent? Like I, I put my phone on night mode during the day so I don't get disturbed. But like, can't you do that every time you go in the car? Like, why are you so obsessed with your phone? Like that's an issue. You know what I mean? Just put it down while you're driving or if you notice it go off, pull over like what you're supposed to do and then check it or whatever. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't agree more that it's just one of those things that's so fundamentally stupid. I always try to tell people like, can you just picture what the worst case scenario is in that situation? Like you could die. It's not like, oh, you like, yeah, you could get a ticket too. But like you could like the worst case scenario is that you die. And then if you think I I go, is that text message that you're looking at or wanting to respond to worth your life and like is that worth you dying or being paralyzed over or something like because honestly you have to think like that because that is what you're risking at the end of the day over a stupid text message so I really couldn't agree more with that and um yeah that's something that people should probably talk about more um especially with like younger people and stuff right even um, our, we have a, a delivery team of people that deliver our products and our cakes and stuff like that. And there has been um, two occasions where a customer has called the store and been like, one of your drivers is texting while they're driving and nothing pisses me off more when one of my employees who I care about their life and I know what could happen, but you know, sometimes they don't think like that when they're younger and whatever. And so, you know, we, we give them major shit for that because not only does it look bad on our company, that's the least of my concern. Um, the safety and well being of our employees is obviously the most important. So, I mean, yeah, if you do, uh, see somebody texting and 
texting, driving, um, and they're in a company vehicle, call the company because chances are the owner is not cool with it. So I love that you brought that up. It's so important um, to share that. And so uh, I think that that's amazing. I think that you have so much insight into how to deal with grief and challenges. Like I know there's so much more to your story and stuff like that that you've been through. And so you recently started a coaching business. So can you tell me why you started that? And like, what was the motive behind starting that? So I would have to say that the motive is I love to learn. And because I've gone through so much and I believe that I've gained wisdom along the way, I don't want to just keep it to myself. I'm a very, very much a sharer, a helper. I want to make the world a better place. Um, And so with coaching, I have two business coaches. Um, one is a mindful business coach. So we do a bunch of wacky shit that I would not have been open to two, even two years ago. So we do like hypnotherapy, meditation. Um, what did you say that she was? What kind of business coach, coach was she? She calls herself a mindful business coach. Okay. So it's not cool. so much about just strategy. It's the mindset behind things and the way we like allow things into our existence and receiving and stuff That's I would have so not cool. I love yeah. that stuff so much. It's like woo-woo-y stuff, but I love it. Yeah. I'm all about it and it works. So people should try it. So that's the one coach and the other coach is what? Yeah. My other coach is design specific. So she's out of Toronto, Rebecca Hay. Um, so we do group coaching together and I've taken a few of her online courses. So it's, I love learning from other people's mistakes to be quite honest. So it's nice to just basically accelerate my own business. But the coaching side of things is I realize how important it is to focus on the present and the future. And I know the tips and tricks and strategies to basically work on your mindset so that you can achieve the things that you want. I do a lot of visualization. I did it even back in college when I was terrified to go into do scenarios that I was being worked on. And I didn't even know visualization was a thing. I used to picture my son sitting there and I had to do it for him. So like I've done the woo-woo shit for a long time, even before I knew it was a thing. Um, so, so with coaching, it's very much present, respecting the past and understanding where your limiting beliefs are coming from, but really just the future forecasting. Um, And then people need therapy if they're all stuck in the past and dealing with feeling like something's broken and needs to be fixed. That's amazing. So So who would you say is your ideal client? Is it most, is it business people? Is it people who have been through like hard challenges or like, who's your ideal client for your coaching business? I would say anyone who feels unfulfilled. And I say anyone, a lot of female coaches seem to target females, but I grew up basically having all male friends and the people that I even do coach for free are males for whatever reason. Cause I'm just like an open and like, I guess I'm not a weak person. Not that I you're view very, all females as this is, no, but this is what I love about you is that you're very straightforward and like, you'll just call them out on their bullshit, which to me be like, I have that personality too. And I just think like, that's the only way to communicate. Like, I don't like any of that fluffy, like shit that you 
like candy coat with things. That's why my podcast is called Scrap the Sweet Talk because like you just don't benefit from that, right? And especially if you're doing um, coaching, it's like you really like if you want a good coach, like then then you know somebody like you is a great match for anybody as long as you know the clients that are coming to you are willing to accept the reality that might you know they might be sensitive about but when you're pointing out you know the the weaknesses and flaws and trying to help them through it um, most people that you're going to work with are going to be open to that regardless right and i think it's really interesting that you said that you know a lot of your um, initial clients have been men because yeah like men would generally want that kind of approach. You know what I mean? That's what's relatable. And even like women too, like it's just the most beneficial way of communicating, especially in a coaching um, position, you know, where people are going to pay you for your advice. Well, may as well be straightforward and not bullshit it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it stems back to, again, being 16. And I did not live my life with excuses. I did everything I possibly could. And I didn't whine about being tired or any of those things that were going to keep me stuck. So I think I would probably butt heads with someone who continuously comes up with excuses and doesn't actually do the things that I tell them to do or the things that they say they're going to do. Um, I believe in accountability and integrity and all that stuff. So I think that would certainly need to be a good fit Um, because I want to make the most out of someone's time. I'm not into wasting someone's time. So without all the fluff, just the directness in the kindest way possible. And Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Directness, but kind. Like, it's awesome. That's amazing. So um, I think that that's great. I know that your interior design business is going really well. You're super talented. Um, I love seeing your guys' posts and stuff like that. Like, you're definitely um, like one of the top designers in like the area for sure. Like, I'm not just saying that, like you are extremely talented. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, what does international women's day mean to you? It means looking at the wonderful women that you have in your life, the people who support you and basically feeling grateful for that and realizing women can do everything. They are wonderful. And it doesn't. So I will say, I used to not like females. I used to think they're superficial and just love to gossip behind each other's backs. I think it was because I was bullied in high school and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> My own issues. But we're obviously in an the aligned women's group together. And it has changed my perspective on women that you can lift each other up and you can collaborate. And it's not about competition. It's not about dragging somebody else down to make yourself look better and to level up. And I love that feeling of women supporting women. So that's, that's really what it means to me. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was going to be my next question is to like, what's oh, the comment? That's okay. I totally agree with you. Um, Cause I had those perceptions too. And, you know, I think it's just, I think it's honestly how, how all women grow up. Like, I don't think like during teenage years, like, like it's just, it's such a weird thing to describe, but like I was thinking about it and a lot of common misconceptions happen, you know, in your teenage years and you, you just have like these false perceptions. So some of the common mis- misconceptions that, that you've had, you were just saying like superficial, what else would you say? Like that they're mean. They're mean. And like the second you're going to, you walk away, they might be nice to your face. And then they're like evil behind your back. And I just, 
Yeah, I didn't think females were good people. I don't know why. Um, but I always also envied the people who are like, oh, we've been best friends since kindergarten and you just grow up with that person in your life and that best friend forever. I went to eight different schools when I was younger and we moved around a lot. So the only best friends I actually had at a young age happened to be males. So again, I didn't have that connection with females. I just viewed them as I'm a new person to this school. I'm not being accepted. They're mean. I'm going to go hang out with the boys and play catch or like play baseball or whatever. So I was just, I don't know if tomboy is even an acceptable thing anymore, but I'm I might have straight hair and whatever and makeup on, but I was totally a tomboy. I was, yeah, yeah. I love sports. <laughs> That's and amazing. Not the gossip bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was totally the same way. I had no, like, I, I also felt more like, I felt like it was easier to be friends with guys because they didn't care about things that women cared about, which I also didn't care about. And it just, you know, like, I think growing up women naturally gossip, it's just a, a weird thing. And you have, to, um, you know, untrain yourself to do that and to recognize like, Hey, why am I gossiping? This is not making me feel good. This is not making, like, I'm not doing the person I'm gossiping about any justice. So once you start to really evaluate that, which for me happened, um, like in my, probably in my mid twenties, I was like, this, this is like not great behavior. So like, let's change it. And as I did, then yeah, same thing happened. Like I started to, to gain a better understanding that no, not all women are like that, but like, yeah, like growing up, they kind of are, and you have to just unlearn it and find the other like-minded women who are uh, aligned with you and are not gossipy or mean or, you know, dramatic or whatever the, the misconceptions are. So, so how did you move past those misconceptions of women? Like, did, was it, um, from like joining, joining like a, the women's group? Is that kind of what really shifted it for you? I would say so. Yeah. Like I've, even when I was a paramedic, I had a lot of female partners. Um, so we connected really well that way. I, because I've always been so focused on work or school or whatever it is. And then I go home and I, I'm a, I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. I've really disconnected the two and like compartmentalized. So I never really blended. So if I had a day off, I was probably so exhausted. I just wanted family time or quality time alone that I wasn't constantly going out and socializing and creating those friendships. So that's on me completely. Um, but that's what I chose to do. So then now that I'm in business and trying to understand how that world works and that there's actually kind people out there, I really put myself out there to be open to building those relationships and I had no idea how amazing that is for your life overall. Like I was just not even open to it before because I was too freaking tired, to be quite honest. So yeah, I feel like too, because you're an introvert, like I can totally relate to that. And like, just the sense of like, I mean, I feel like I kind of use that as an excuse for a lot of my life of being an introvert, because I mean, it did drain me to a certain degree, but um, I couldn't agree more. Like I never made uh, friendships a priority for like probably like the same time that we joined the women's group too. Like that's literally probably when uh, my perspective started to change as well, because I would have never joined a group like that if it wasn't for Sarah. Like if somebody else asked me, I'd be like, 
probably not. You know what I mean? But like, I, I felt like Sarah's friends or anybody that who was going to be in that kind of group environment would probably be a decent person. <laughs> so, um, I'm really glad that I joined that too, because like you said, you don't even realize what you're missing out on. You know what I mean? Like it is like, life is so much better when you have other women supporting you and cheering you on and, you know, sharing your posts and, and, you know, telling everybody, uh, how amazing you are. And, uh, I heard the other day about, you know, if you're going to talk behind somebody's back, like, like rave about them, you know what I mean? Instead of gossiping, if you are in a position where you can talk behind somebody's back in the most positive way, that's amazing. Do that. Also do it to their face because I, I, I think that not, uh, women don't tell each other enough how amazing they are. Um, for whatever reason, it's just, you know, I think women just assume that, oh, they probably already know that they're successful and whatever. But like anytime I get a DM uh, being like, oh, my God, like I loved your podcast or or this helped me. It just it, it lights me up and it makes me feel so, so amazing. So. Um, all right. So I just have a couple more questions and I want to know what is your best piece of advice that you can offer women? And it can be any kind of advice. What is just your best piece of advice from the top of your head? Oh my goodness. I would say that you are enough just as you are. You are worthy of whatever you could possibly dream up for yourself. Um, and if you ever think something is too big or not for you, ask yourself, why not me? And start to dream because if somebody else is showing you what they're doing or what they have, they're showing that it's possible. It's not something to be envious about. It's just if you aspire to that as well, they're just, they're paving the way and saying, this is what's available. So you're worthy. That's Go amazing. Yeah, that is such good advice. And, you know, it's a great example to see somebody go from like such struggle at 16. I can totally relate to that. You had a, a baby at 16 and then you like you were saying, your your partner at the time committed suicide and then you um, were in a career with filled with trauma and like heartbreak and stuff as a paramedic. And then now you've really transitioned to uh, being a business owner, doing what fulfills you, doing something happy for a change, right? Like changing people's lives, changing their homes. That's an amazing and very different contrasting career from being a paramedic and going through all the hard times. So you are just an amazing example of that you can go through hard shit and come out a better person and do what you actually love to do and what fulfills you. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And so thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Where can people find you and connect with you? So I love to hang out on Instagram. Um, it's at, it's Braco.interiors and my coaching is Braco.coaching. So yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. I have a website and all the professional stuff, but you can find it through there. Perfect. And so I'm going to link all of your links in the um, show notes of the podcast as well, so that everyone listening should go and follow Jamie because she posts a lot of really inspirational stuff on her page. And one of my 
favorite things uh, about Jamie is that she is extremely open and vulnerable. So if you go in and you read her posts, um, you'll automatically just feel a sense of comfort and you'll feel like you're able to uh, open up to her or just ask her questions and stuff like that. And so I think, you know, knowing you, Jamie, that you love connecting with people and meeting new people and stuff like that. So I, I'm going to send everyone everybody over your way so that's amazing <laughs> thank you so much thanks for uh, joining me on scrap the sweet talk podcast i was so excited to talk to you today and i know that you offered so much value to our listeners and i can't wait to talk to you guys again soon bye hi rebecca thank you thanks jamie